Hello, y'all, and welcome back to the Playmakers Corner podcast. I'm your host for this episode, Cody Stoffer. And on today's episode, you know, we're going to continue our series talking about class, or I guess I should say the 2022 season preview. And that is for every 11-man team in Colorado. So, you know, we've climbed, or at least I've climbed mostly 1A up into the 5A area. I still have some 4A conferences to talk about in the kind of more metro area. But as far as the North goes, I'm up here in the North talking about last year's graduating class, what happened in their season the previous year, you know, in the 2021 fall season, and also looking ahead to some playmakers who are coming back to whatever squad it is and concluding with a projection of wit or a window of wins, so to speak. And the very first team that I'm going to talk about on today's episode, or at least talking about the last year kind of setup of the 5A Metro one is the Adams City Eagles. So, you know, looking back at last year, you know, they nearly crept to a 500 record after starting off really slow out the gate at one and three, you know, they did win their season opener against the 3A squad in Kennedy before dropping three consecutive games to very solid teams in Denver South, Pueblo West, and Aurora Central before kind of alternating games to finish the season. You know, they got a 28-6 dub over Gateway, um, who, you know, didn't get a win all season, so that's game that they should win. Then they had kind of a tough loss to Boulder here, 51-28, before beating another struggling team in mountain range pretty thoroughly, honestly, 45 to six, and then went on a two game skid to Westminster and FOCO before ending the season on a win over the North Glen Norsemen, 17 to six. So, you know, I think that looking back at last year, uh, they couldn't really keep up with, with Boulder. And that was something that was pretty prevalent. I'd say is in the games that they lost, you know, the other team was running like it was a track meet. I mean, the lowest amount of points that an opposing victor scored against the Eagles last year was Aurora Central's 28. Other than that, all the other teams that won eclipsed 30 points. So, you know, they weren't as capable of keeping up uh, despite showing, you know, bursts and ability to score. And so, you know, four and six record, not too bad. They beat the teams that they arguably should beat. And I think that, you know, maybe a stay in 4A could be better for Adams City. But before I talk about that, you know, some seniors who graduated in the class of 2022 included lead back Bo LaPena. He had over a thousand yards. He was a thousand yard rusher and he had five contests with over a hundred yards and he had 10 scores. So that uh, 1,010 kind of combination that shows for a good running back, a productive running back at that. That is something that's going to be definitely missed. And then, you know, on the receiving end, they also lose a stellar receiver in Miguel Hernandez. Um, you know, he got open often and totaled 711 yards and five scores. And overall had another 258 yards on the ground and four scores and 138 passing yards, making his total scrimmage yards over a thousand that's very hard to lose a versatile weapon, an offensive weapon like Miguel Hernandez, and, you know, a very steady force in Bo La Pena. And 
In case you didn't see this coming, LaPena and Hernandez were also critical on defense because they were the leading tacklers, they recovered three fumbles, and collected three interceptions, uh, respectively. You know, LaPena with the fumbles and Hernandez with the interceptions. So, you know, they were massive on both sides of the ball, and their contributions, playmaking, leadership are all things that are going to be areas to address for, you know, this Eagle squad out of Commerce City. In addition to that, you know, uh, Chris Canterbury, he was in the secondary, Canterbury in the secondary, and matched Hernandez's team-leading three interceptions. So, you know, you're losing quite a handful of interceptions from the secondary. You're also losing a 230-pound David Victoria, who is second on the squad with five sacks and overall had six tackles for loss. And... There is one other player in the top six categories. That was Rennie, who was at a solid four tackles for loss and 28 total tackles. So losing some turnover potential on the defensive side of the ball, losing some size that was able to get into the backfield, and then offensively losing your two best offensive weapons. But to try and counter that, they do bring back under center Levi Diaguero, uh, he will be a senior this year, and, you know, he made a lot of mistakes last year, uh, throwing more INTs than touchdowns, but he's so athletic. I just, it's it's hard to overlook his athleticism. In watching his film, he's a very solid runner. He tallied 550 yards and a team leading 11 rushing touchdowns and just has, you know, very very good burst and acceleration and explosiveness, but also is very shifty in space against defenders. He's very, very difficult to tackle one-on-one. -on -one. And so, you know, with that dynamic, I think that, you know, there's obviously upside here at the quarterback position. I'd say as far as a quarterback goes, as far as throwing the ball goes, he struggles going through reads and he'll have to be a lot smarter this year, not only because, you know, there is going to be a very good running back departing and a very good receiver departing. But on top of that, he just has to make less mistakes. And, you know, he needs to protect the football better, not only through the air, but also through the ground. He did lose four fumbles last year. So just getting stronger, more Bill. If you're going to be a running quarterback, that's fine. But be ready to take a beating to, you know, get blasted by some of these guys. I mean, you look at some of the defenses that he faced last year. I mean, he faced a very talented Marcus Howard out of Aurora Central that beat on him. This Boulder defense had some athletes that were able to fly around the ball. Fort Collins and Westminster were very physical teams. And, you know, you're going to find those on every level of football. So your physicality has to be up to par. But, you know, as far as some weapons that he might have coming back this year, uh, he does get Makai Wright, who had three receiving touchdowns and was also, you know, it was only on seven receptions. So you got to take this with a grain of salt. But 29.1 yards per reception is pretty absurd, no matter who you are, as long as you're recording like, you know, he's, he's close to 10 receptions. If he can even be at, I don't know, 19 yards per catch, uh, that would be super duper helpful. And then on the defensive side to try and you know, patch some of the bleeding here is Jackson Lopez and Seth Diaguero, uh, probably related to Levi, if I had to guess, uh, who both led the team in tackles for loss last season with nine and seven, respectively, while also contributing a combined 93 tackles. Uh, additionally, Seth was the leader of sacks on this team with six, and Jackson wasn't far behind with four of his own. So you get these game wreckers in the backfield in Jackson and Seth. And then on the offensive side, you have big play, 
you know, potential in Wright and Levi, who, you know, you could do some creative things with athletes on offense and with the dimension of the game that Levi has. And so I think that this team is taking an appropriate change of classification. They are now in the 4A Metro 2, which is a very, very hard league, arguably one of the hardest leagues in in football in Colorado, honestly. This league is absurd. But before they get to league, I think that they very realistically could go 4-1. and one. You know, they start off the season against North Glen, then play Riverdale Ridge, Hinkley, Skyview, and Northfield. I think Northfield, Skyview, and Hinkley are all very winnable games. And then, you know, North Glen and Riverdale Ridge, they for sure lose one of those. And the other one is kind of a coin toss. So a 3-2 and two slash 4-1 and one record before heading into this league that is just so intense i mean they play aurora central again who brings back one of the most talented running backs in all of football uh this senior class then they play heritage that's the only possible game that i see them winning in league if i have to be completely honest and then broomfield golden and fruit of monument which this league is like so spread out by the way it's kind of absurd you go as far north as broomfield and as south and west i want to say as fruit of monument which is interesting but regardless, I think five and five, I mean, it's still a literal improvement from last year. And depending on the point margins in their league games, that could land them in the playoffs. Uh, but we'll have to see if more playmakers arise outside of their big three. And if Levi has what it takes to be a big time QB in big time games against other monumental senior quarterbacks, I mean, he's going to have a chance to show what he's made of as he squares off against a Cola crew in Broomfield, as he squares off against a Giselle Riley in Golden, as he squares off against a very talented Fruit of Monument team that is led by another senior quarterback in Corbin Rowell. Uh, for more information on him, make sure to check out Simon's preseason preview on Fruit of Monument. But I mean, it's a very difficult schedule. This quarterback has to reduce the turnovers, but I think that moving to 4A in the long term will be a very good move for Adams City. For one of the teams that did beat Adams City last year, that is a member of the 5A Metro 1. I'm talking about the Westminster Wolves, who were a tale of two halves uh, last season. You know, they stumbled out of the gate pretty rough to a 1-4 record. They lost to Lakewood in their home opener. They lost pretty tough to Pooter, 35-zil on the road before beating far northeast warriors which i'd say is a quality win against a team that was in the playoffs then they dropped two more to other playoff teams in legend and parker before everything started to pick up they finished four and oh down the stretch in you know this in against the other half of the league and they finished second in the league they beat north glen 2013 they beat adam city as i said took care of business against mountain range that is also in westminster and finally one against Boulder on the road to close their season. A very, very gritty team, I'd say, who really hung in there in the second half of the season and uh, try did everything that they possibly could to try and make playoffs and made for a, a decent enough push and did everything within their control, I'd say. Um, that being said, they are losing some solid talent here, and I have actually broken down the film of some of these guys, you know, Athlete Quentin Lore, uh, he graduates after leading this team with 206 receiving yards and three touchdowns, and defensively being in a three-way tie for interceptions with two, and added on another four pass deflections and 40 tackles. He was, you know, somebody you could 
get up to speed pretty quickly, and I'm pretty sure he's playing on the next level. I want to say either D3, Juco, or D2, somewhere in there. Um, and, you know, just defensively in general, like I said, they lose Quentin Lore, but they lose a lot of other talent too, which is tough. Uh, Yeshua Jeremio and Alexander Fuentes Vargas both graduated taking two interceptions apiece. And that only leaves two interceptions behind for non-seniors. And then you also lose a big time defender slash tight end in Dominique Ciani. Uh, on the offensive end, you know, he was just a big body, a big target. But on the defensive end, he was the leading tackler. He had an interception, two pass deflections, a forced fumble and a fumble recovery. He was the guy on this defense, I can say with utmost confidence and then you also have dom ortiz who is taking an interception himself led the team in pass deflections with five and also had three sacks slash hurries so you know he was a versatile force who impacted the game in a lot of ways and so you're losing this in the front seven you're losing a lot of interceptions in the secondary and you know they're they're experiencing a lot of turnover in general but so is the pass rush. They only have one and a half sacks remaining with leading sack specialist Damian Rodriguez Lopez graduating and his seven sacks. In addition to, as aforementioned, Dom Ortiz is three. Eric Miles is three. Eric Miles also led this team in tackles for loss with six. And then you're also losing just in general another six and a half sacks. Uh, tack wise, 12 of the top 14 tacklers were seniors which makes me curious what they had going on in JV on how ready these guys are going to be. I mean, sheesh, 12 of 14. Usually we talk out of 11 just so it doesn't sound... I mean, 11 is how many you have on the field, but you're also losing depth guys too, which is tough. That's just, that's just a really tough bounce back campaign for this defense and a very ambitious one at that. Not only did a lot of these guys on defense make plays, but I mean, Yeshua Jeremio, Alexander Fuentes Vargas, and Victor Lopez were also heartbeats on the offense with a thousand plus yards between the three of them and over half of the rushing touchdowns. And Westminster was a running football team. I mean, I know I opened up with Quinton Lore and his receiving capability, but really this team ran like a wing TI form offense. So losing a ton of rushing yards and carries is going to hurt, but on the flip side, returning to this squad in 2022 is their leading rusher. You know, he, he was the alpha in the backfield. He led the team in yards through four recorded games and averaged 8.1 yards per carry in said recorded time and scored five times. And he will be transcendent to try and stabilize this program and offense. And to a further extent, maybe this entire program. Then the guy throwing passes and rushing for two scores returns to the fold, but he has to prove it to me. He had very, very noticeable limits. Very, how could I say this? Very visual limits, I would say. I mean, the scheme was very simple. Lots of play action boot passes, lots of drag routes, lots of flat routes on the, on the move, you know, trying to get his body into the throw power, just not very strong. I mean, and that's from watching Dom's offensive film and Quentin's offensive film. Just not really a field stretching kind of guy. And to boot on that, he also just wasn't very accurate. He only completed 38% of his passes. But, uh, you know, he threw more touchdowns than interceptions. But arm strength, timing, and accuracy all desperately need to take a not just a step forward, but a leap forward this year for the Wolves.
I'd say that the most exciting wolf returning to the pack defensively might have to be Xavier Picasso. Uh, this guy was tied for second in tackles for loss with five and a half and was also second on the squad in total tackles. So, you know, on top of that, with an interception, there will be a lot of tenacity on this defense, I'd say, sparked by Xavier. But, I mean, the only other defender who really contributed was Gregory Frazier, who matched Xavier with an interception, but still took a backseat on this defense, having only notched 42 tackles. So, these guys will definitely be looked towards to give this team any shot, a chance on defense. I mean, this is a defense that averaged just like around 25 points per game last year and they're gonna have to do a lot better than that if they are going to try and a compete in their league this year for the second year in a row and b try and bridge that gap of them missing the playoffs last year and so in all their wins last year no team eclipsed 20 points and anytime a team did westminster lost uh they lost the majority of their defensive talent which uh that's just a tough shake but, you know, this schedule helps them out a little bit. So let's go ahead and talk about their schedule. They start off with a home game against Far Northeast Warriors. I actually think that they lose this time to Far Northeast. I think that Northeast is returning uh, some pretty incredible athletes this year. But following that, you know, they have games against Rangeview, 4A Stanley Lake, Prairie View. And I think that they have a chance to win two of these games pretty pretty easily and uh, be at 2-2 two and two before... Going on the road to Wichita, Kansas. Always love to see Colorado on the road. But this Capon uh, Mount Carmel team out of Wichita, they were insane last year. They only lost like two games. So that may be a very long bus ride or a very long plane ride. However you're going to get there, that may be a rough game. And prior to league, you're looking at probably a 2-3 and three record. Before, you know, they have a pretty manageable league, I'd say, for the second year in a row. I think that they have a pretty decent chance at beating overland they should beat mountain range i think doherty won't be as much of a pushover as a lot of people think their schedule was absurd last year uh once again go ahead and listen to coach v's episode for more information on that as we have done that preview and then they have denver east and north glen in this new league you know losing as much defensive talent as they did i still think that five and five is a fairly reasonable take if they start off two and three before league i think there's three winnable league games but you know they could drop as low as four or three wins honestly so five and five i'd punch that in for a pretty solid season here for westminster ma matching their win total from last year and getting to play an additional game i don't know if they had to forfeit a game last year or if someone forfeit on them or whatever but overall i think five and five is a pretty reasonable take but uh, they could go four and six or three and seven uh, if they don't find some answers on defense and their offense isn't carried to the promised land. And one of the tough outs for Westminster might be, and what what I potentially see is a vastly improved North Glen Norseman team. I did a program spotlight on this team last year. I tried to spotlight town as best as I could, but there's no chopping it up. They, you know, started off with a massive. 30-6 to six win over Thornton to start the season, but this was immediately followed by four pretty rough losses to Doug Coe, Rock Canyon, Rocky Mountain, and Prairie View before getting a bounce-back massive 43-3 to three win over Mountain Range in league. 
that would mark the last win of their season before losing to Westminster, having to forfeit against Fort Collins, losing to Boulder, and Adams City, lastly, to end the year. Uh, I'm not sure if they had to forfeit to Fort Collins because of COVID, but, uh, you know, the additional time off was not ideal um, because, you know, they came back, um, what is that, nine days later and, and lost Boulder. So, um, <clears throat> but, you know, before I jump into maybe some reasons to be optimistic about North Glen this year, they do lose Josh Martinez, who paced this team in both passing and rushing uh, in the year that saw him collect 17 cumulative touchdowns but one that also only saw him average two and a half yards per carry which is pretty horrendously inefficient and also turned the ball over 11 times with 10 of those being interceptions through four tally games on max preps uh singleton was the other guy and uh, probably labeled tailback who saw success the tune of four and a half yards per carry and the only recorded 100 plus yard game for the norsemen and Lastly, senior-wise, Cam Young Jr. was one of only two players with a recorded interception last year and the only one with a fumble recovery in addition to tallying 46 tackles. But the Norsemen will be returning All-State Honorable Mention Brian Dykstra, who, you know, might end up at quarterback just for being the best athlete on this team despite the fact that he was a solid receiver. Um, you know, he, he had a nose for the end zone. He was able to take short passes long ways as evidenced by his 18.1 yards per reception and route to eight scores on 36 catches and also paced this young defense with 85 tackles. And when I say young defense, I mean, this defense was pretty freaking young. I mean, out of the top 15 tacklers or anyone who recorded double digit tackles for those wondering about context, only four were seniors. In the incoming junior class, you'll be seeing more of Jacon Thorne, Brock Butcher, who both recorded 10 tackles for loss and notched 75 and 66 tackles respectively. You're going to see 240-pound Giovanni Cardona doing his thing in the middle after being in the backfield a handful of times and flying around to the ball, having a good motor at that size and mass with 36 assisted tackles. And then you'll also have another 46 tackle player in Sam McFadden. But... Outside of this incoming senior class that was pretty solid for this Norseman squad last year, you know, they also have some intriguing underclassmen from last year. Uh, Elvio, uh, I, oh, I'm going to butcher this. Elvio Ajaja uh, notched 56 tackles, five of which were for loss and two sacks. And speaking of sacks, I forgot to mention that Brock Butcher was in his bag against offenses with three sacks of his own. That was the same number of forced fumbles, but would not outdo the five fumbles that he managed to recover. Uh, you can't coach that high of a motor and instinctiveness like that. And while that production may be harder to come by, his big hits and potential for improved skill could help others land on a handful of fumbles. So, you know, Lastly, a very interesting name on this roster is Anthony Martinez, who as a freshman, so when I said this defense was absurdly young, I cannot emphasize how young it was with sophomore contributors, a handful of juniors, and finally this freshman who really caught my eye here, who had 42 tackles and nine of them for loss as only a freshman. So this defense, I think, can take a serious step forward, and they have an athlete on the offensive side of the ball. And so 
Where does that land them against this upcoming schedule? Well, I think it does them some good here looking at their wow. You know, they do open up the season against Adam City. This is a game that I think with the losses that Adam City experienced in the skill position department could kind of go either way. Uh, so I'm calling that a coin toss before I think that they get two quick wins here against Gateway and Thornton before this Stanley Lake team that could be a little bit of a headache. And then the last game that's not in league is Prairie View. Uh, once again, this could be a toss up, but with an opportunistic defense, I reasonably see the Norsemen going three and two here before heading into league against teams that made a lot of mistakes offensively last year and turned the ball over. So I'm looking to this defense and special teams to really take a step forward. This offense won't really be the name of the game in North Glen, but you know, in league, they could potentially beat this Denver East team. They could potentially beat Overland. They should beat Mountain Range and they should beat Westminster with the only question mark I have here in Doherty. And uh, you know, if they go four in one in those games, you're looking at, you know, a, uh, you know, let's say that they win, they lose one more in league. You're still looking at a six and four record, which would be a dramatic improvement from last year. But I'd say on the low end of things, if everything goes to crap, you still beat Gateway, Thornton, and Mountain Range in my eyes. So you're looking at a window of wins of three to six, which is a pretty wide window because they just have a lot of unproven question marks on the offensive side of the ball but i think defensively this defense is good for at least four wins so that's kind of my train of thought i think that five and five is a very fair prediction here uh or six and four for north Glen, and i'm very excited to see what this defense does last year and the strides that they take forward as a unit now for a team that posted the exact same record last year gonna transition back to a Westminster squad in the Mountain Range Mustangs who went 2-8 last year, including a rough last place finish in league. They lost their season opener 45 to nothing to Douglas County. That would be kind of a tale of things to come, but actually had a winning record at one point during this season with a 44-8 pummeling of Palmer and then a 32-14 glamorous win over Gateway before losing to Rangeview by 30, Thornton by 5, North Glen by 40, Adam City by, what is that, 39, Boulder by, like, what is that, 37. You get the point. It's it's the same thing, copy-paste. And uh, that's just tough losing seven in a row to, to end the season. But, you know, overall, this mountain range team, very hard to keep track of. They need some stability. They didn't post a lot of stats, but they do lose a 205-pound tailback who threw eight recorded game was averaging six and a half yards per carry. And that's a tough combination of size and power to lose on any squad uh, in Anthony Veith. And then despite low production, Mitchell West is still a tough loss after seeing two receiving touchdowns on just three receptions at a towering six foot three, 230-pound frame. Additionally, he was the leading sack artist on this defense and was tied the lead in tackles for loss with seven so you're just losing like a behemoth and you know a truly built football player here and last but not least jordan gomez was a swiss army knife last year on defense after posting 50 tackles two for loss two forced fumbles four fumble recoveries and six pass deflections all of those being either second place or in the lead other than tackles but returning to the fold is isaac 
Gomez here uh, in his junior season. Well, okay, I don't know if he's actually be going to be the one who returns under center because this team is lacking a guy. Uh, both juniors last year that attempted at least 30 passes posted QBRs of 38.6 and 19.4, which are both just abysmal. They're both, it's not good. Um, but in the backfield, they do welcome back Weston Potter and Dylan Sherman, who had around 60-ish carries apiece and 200 plus yards. You also get uh, Gabe Castile, who will be an important athlete following a season that saw him nearly record 500 yards on special teams, including a 22.6 average on punt returns. And between him and class 2023 athlete Daniel Tangi, uh, they may be more reliable as a form of scoring on the special teams unit than the offense. Uh, defensively, you do get Connor Clark coming in as a junior because as a sophomore, he paced the team with 94 tackles and can weigh as much as 185 pounds after being 170 and be, you know, an enforcer in the middle for the Mustangs here. Then you also return Elijah Tolliver, who, you know, worked offenses. He tied for the lead with tackles for loss with seven, and he was second on the team with 85 tackles. You also have Josh Dutra, who led the team with three interceptions and was disruptive in the pass game with seven pass deflections to toe. And then last but not least, through just five games, McNair recorded an inter interception and five pass deflections in his sophomore campaign. And if he could put on some more weight, he could be a bit more sturdy on bigger receivers. So this is a familiar tale that we just heard in the North Glen segment. You're getting a lot of talent on the defensive side of the ball. This secondary is going to look pretty sweet this year, which I mean, is something that you want. You have guys who are going to get to the quarterback and, you know, force some good pressures, force some bad throws. The big question mark is that I just don't see an athlete on the offensive side that's proven yet. Uh, I assume that they're going to try and use Gabe Castile and Daniel Tangi a little bit since they did so well on special teams last season. They're going to try and work them into the offense. I mean, they're going to have to because there's just not a lot of experience and there's just, uh, I don't know. It's just very underwhelming what is happening with this squad uh, on the offensive side of the ball. So looking ahead to their window of wins, they do return a handful of contributors from last year's team, but they've got to be bigger um, and they got to be more physical or they're going to continue to get steamrolled. Uh, they have a very possible win in the season opener against Greeley West before I think that they drop a game to Centaurus. They could maybe scrap together two quick wins against Battle Mountain and Grand Junction here. Grand Junction is a team that struggled last year as well. Battle Mountain is a 3A program, so I'd hope that, you know, this mountain range team can exceed their wins from last year in these first four names before they probably lose the rest of their games in league again this year, uh, as well as this non-league game against Boulder. Uh, I think it just takes them a little bit longer to build build up steam. I think that next season they have plenty of sophomores to even exceed this three-win total, but I do think that they go three and seven. It's an uptick of wins from last year, but I can't see more than four wins. I think in league there's potential for one win somewhere in here against Doherty, Westminster, North Glen, Overland, Denver East. But all of these guys have better athletes, I would say, than what Mountain Range possesses, or at least from the film last year. And there's just a lot of question marks, especially under center. I mean, you could put your best athlete there, but there's not like a proven best athlete who is taking direct snaps either. So 
that is going to be quite the struggle for the Mustangs this upcoming season. As for last year's league champ, we are going to transition to those guys talking about the Fort Collins Lambkins here who put up a pretty historical season for FOCO football, but also a very confusing one. Uh, they were a tough team to get a read on early in the season. They beat a talented legacy squad by a single point in week one and then faltered to a solid Ponderosa squad by two points on the road. Gonna maybe chalk that up to being on the road. And then got a, you know, 11-point win against Fossil Ridge and a 21-point win against Pooter to, you know, make me think that they were going to run Fort Collins entirely this year and show all those other FOCO teams who's boss up here, uh, up here in the north. But uh, Rocky Mountain is a team that they end up losing to by a single point at home in, in the battle for Fort Collins. So overall going 2-1 and one in those Fort Collins games. So they have two losses here early in the season. They're three and two before heading into league and just rinsing all of these teams. I mean, Westminster, 56-32. Boulder, 34-14. They do benefit from a forfeit against North Glen, uh, but then beat Adams City and Mountain Range scoring over 40 points in both of those games. And then they actually win a playoff game here, one that I admittingly predicted wrong, you know, um but they had a very solid streak leading into that and they overcame the athletes of chaparral uh before getting valard um but uh you know this team was puzzling at times but landed itself in like uh tier three of five a playoff teams and was reflected by their results against the eventual state runners up but they did so behind a vast majority of very talented seniors uh one of which was the quarterback who was under center for most of the season last year, you know, he, or, or I should, I should say the majority of pass attempts, uh, ceased. He graduates with a 11 touchdown five pick season that saw him complete 57.6% of his passes. But I think the backfield is where the amount of graduates becomes worrisome because options one and two, in season that saw them combined for 19 scores and 1700 yards in max jones and dorian mcgarity was that's tough to lose and they both averaged over seven yards per carry so i mean yeah losing your quarterback who could you know get the ball there most of the time sucks but two not one but two lead backs who are both tearing apart defenses for almost a first like two handoffs first down two handoffs first down that is what those averages mean uh, between these two guys and not only were they talented in the backfield but McGarity was a threat throwing the ball going 23 of 29 for 221 yards and a score but he was also the leading receiver on this Lampkin squad with 677 yards and another nine receiving touchdowns which is as much as the next three receivers who are all skilled in their own right you have Johnson top five senior tight end Blake Smotherman and Harger so they're going to be doing a near complete reshuffle at all positions. But when about a dozen of players get touches on offense, there's some varsity experience with these younger guys. The Fort Collins do a great job of getting in the game when they're up. But that's still a lot of snaps, talent, experience to be losing. Um, defensively, life has got to go on without All-State honorable mention. Dante Johnson, who was second on his team in tackles with 106 which is impressive in itself, but is further amplified by his past defense prowess 
that resulted in three interceptions and an additional eight pass deflections. He's sort of around the field and will be a tough athlete to replace. Not to mention, he makes up one of eight seniors who graduated who are in the top 11 of tacklers on this faux co squad that included Chase Wiggins and Loudon Harger, who are at 87 and 80 tackles respectively with a combined eight tackles for loss between the two of them. And not to be left out of the conversation is the tackle for loss leader last season, none other than senior Cade Wish, who at six foot four, 270 pounds, was just a force of nature for any offensive lineman to have to deal with. And he just rocked through a lot of these guys en route to 14 tackles for loss, pacing the team there, as well as in sacks with five. And much like a handful of defenders on this Lambkins team, Wish was not a one-trick pony as he also recorded an interception this past year and forced another two passes to the ground and forced three more fumbles. So you're losing boom up front. You're losing versatility and athleticism on the back end. You're losing penetration in the run game as well as potentially in the pass game. You're losing your pass game on the offensive side of the ball for the most part, as well as two stellar running backs. And not only was Loud and Harger on this defense a big-time tackler for his team, but was another playmaker in pass defense with two interceptions and an additional six pass deflections. Uh, but those tackles also put the ball on the rug a team leading four times. Overall, Foco sees half of their interceptions depart with their graduating class, as well as 10 of their 13 sacks and plenty of their scrimmage touchdowns. It was a very magical year this last year, going 9-3, and three, but it is very hard to imagine them... It is very hard to imagine them duplicating that this upcoming season. And so, diving into maybe some guys to try and slow down the bleeding, uh, they I think that they have their next quarterback here in Ez Campos. 6'2", 190 pounds, already has a really good frame for a quarterback. And in limited action, went 28 of 40 for 538 yards and a 7 to 1 TD to INT ratio. So he's already shown that, you know, he could mostly take care of the football. Looking through his film, he's got some impressive velocity, but he got lucky staring down receivers a few times. They're losing a lot of receivers who did contribute. So you can't really bank on, you know, guys like Blake Smotherman who can really go up and just be more physical than the defender. You're going to have to figure out what talent you have in this junior class, in this incoming senior class, I should say, and how that impacts your decision-making and your throwing. Um, he was wildly, unnecessarily risky at times, and it'll be interesting to see how his senior year goes with all of these pass catchers who weren't on varsity last year. The secondary will also try and stop the bleeding a little bit here with Nicky McGuire, who as a junior tallied five pass deflections and was tied for the team lead with three interceptions. While that is still very solid production, I'm still thinking about all of the pass deflections they're losing and all those balls that hit the rug that might end up in receivers' hands this upcoming season. But uh, uh, before I get too pessimistic, another major upside defensively is that incoming senior Joseph Van Meter led the Labenkins with 116 tackles, and eight of those were for loss, which was second best in the squad, tied with Josiah LeClaire. So I think that their run game could potentially take a pretty good step forward this year, and that was something that was a little bit of a struggle last year, if I had to be completely honest, but their pass game may take a, a step back, to say the least. But, you know, they're returning some solid talent, at important positions 
which can help them collect some wins this year. Uh, they start with the season on the road, and I think it's a win against Denver East before coming back north and... Oh, God. I hate to be this guy, but I think that they could potentially lose six games in a row here. Uh, I'm just going to rip the Band-Aid off. Uh, their only sign of breath might be against Cherokee Trail. Look, you guys look at the schedule and say, well, Windsor, they're a 4A team. Don't you think Fort Collins could beat a 4A team? I mean, they lost to one last year with the talented squad that they did have. And if you don't know about this Windsor squad, go listen to one of my other episodes. This is a state contender in Windsor. They are big up front, they are mean, they are nasty, they run hard, and they have absurd athletes on both sides of the ball. Don't overlook Windsor on the road. Cherokee Trails is a team that graduated a lot of talent, but is still a centennial league powerhouse that has a massive talent pool, if I can stop stuttering, and seemingly replaces their talent every single year pretty effectively. Uh, they do lose, you know, some good talent up front on the line in particular is the way I see it and some good pass catchers. But I think that they have a very QB and skill position friendly scheme that will help them still win games. So I'll say that's coin toss. I don't think they beat Columbine. I think that Fossil Ridge's offense is way, way beyond what this Lambkins secondary can battle following last year i think that rocky mountain is going to be a very balanced squad and i think that fairview is going to be a tough game to win on the road in boulder so i mean at best heading into the last two games of the season you're what two and five but very realistically one and six um but then they have two games against pooter and boulder Pooter is going to be a closer game than I think people realize, but I think it's one that they can still win. And then Boulder is a game that they should probably win. Uh, just because Boulder's... Uh, I don't know if they have the it on, on offense. So, you know, I think that in a, in a great turn of events, they beat East, they beat Tr Cherokee Trail, Pooter, Boulder and maybe steal one of these games in the middle here, which would be an upset in my eyes, whether it's Fossil Ridge, Rocky Mountain, or Fairview. But I feel like 500 is pretty unrealistic. I think that they probably win three games. I think they probably go three and seven this year with with a wow of three to five. That That's going to sound really harsh. I don't mean it in a disrespectful way. They do have... Some players that I really think could be all-state talent this year, despite being on a less-than-stellar squad. I think that they have all-state talent, and I'm talking first-team all-state talent. I'm looking at, right here, the leading tackler, Joseph Van Meter, who is a pretty well-rounded defender who plays the run very, very well. And I think that this run defense could still be one of the top in the state. But against, I mean, I don't think that they're still going to be able to slow down Columbine or Windsor, like those are two of the top rushing offenses in the state. And then through the air in the secondary, they just have so many snaps that are going to be missing against stall, very solid quarterbacks in Tyler Kubat in Fossil Ridge, who I'll talk about, and in Rowan Reisner in Fairview, who I will be talking about later on this episode as well. So, you know, new league, it's a way more difficult league than what they had last year. I think it's going to challenge them, but maybe not in a way that's as constructive. Maybe it's in a way that's a little destructive for for the Lambkins this year, unfortunately. So a wow of three to five. The last member of last season's 5A Metro 1 squad was Boulder. And despite finishing four and six, I feel like Boulder can feel pretty good 
about, you know, a winning record in league where they went three and two and, you know, breaking out at 500 on the road. I think that those are some things to be proud of. They didn't get to play as many games at home as they did on the road. Well, I guess their game against Fairview was at home technically, but they weren't the home team or whatever. But I digress. Um, They just did not have answers for teams with great passing attacks. I'm looking at Fairview, where they lost 42-21, to and all of PMC was in attendance on that game. And the statement that was Beckham Kritza, who was revolutionary. They lose to Horizon, who's led by Alex Blaze Birch. More on him later, 39-16. AJ Jackson was our top senior quarterback last year, 34-7 they lost to them. Like I said, Fort Collins had a very solid passing attack. I mean, they're a balanced squad, but overall just an offense that overwhelmed. And, uh, you know, there are some exceptions to the rules. Uh, Westminster beat them and Rocky Mountain beat them. I mean, they had solid quarterback play last year, so no judgment there. But, I mean, in all of their losses, but one, the opposing team eclipsed the 30-point mark. And in four of those losses, their opponent threw for 200-plus in multiple scores. Uh, Their secondary is going to need more answers, and the quarterbacks will be tough again this year. As far as graduating seniors offensively, this team just loses a lot of snaps. Uh, Tristan Land. Langen Najar uh, Tristan uh, graduates following Q being the squad and accounting for over 1,800 scrimmage yards and 10 scores. Uh, his decision-making was something that struggled a little bit since he threw twice as many picks as TDs. But, I mean, that's still your leader under center you lose. You're losing uh, Declan Culberson, who graduated after collecting over 1,000 yards in just eight games and averaging almost two scores a game with 15 rushing scores. So this rushing attack was very lethal with Tristan and Declan. And every player who was on the receiving end of a passing touchdown graduated, including leading receiver Tyler Larson, who at 558 yards had four of the seven throwing touchdowns, or receiving touchdowns, I should say. On top of being a receiver, Luke Zana was a defender that collected exactly a century's worth of tackles. And the next closest tackler was Metchels at 62, who's also graduating. These are two of six of the top 11 tacklers, say that five times fast, who have collected their diploma this past spring. And then a young secondary will be without leading turnover machine, Caden Klein, who almost had as many interceptions himself, three, as the rest of the team, four. So you're losing some talent, especially at that linebacker core, that running back core, and uh, just a handful of tacklers. The biggest playmaker returning to the Panthers here is one that is someone worth watching if you haven't watched this film yet. Uh, Ethan Kunkel is a player on this squad whose tenacity just gives these Panthers an edge in both the pass and rush game on defense. But especially, he's a especially vicious when chasing the quarterback. He's a great athlete who can cover in a variety of ways, but also pass rush with stellar efficiency. He led the team in forced fumbles and recoveries with a couple each, and all the while led the team in sacks and was a stellar, I mean, just incredible open field tackler. He's so disciplined yet so brutalizing at the same time. He's just a hammer that never misses the nail out there. Uh, he will be tasked with learning the new defense since there is a new defense coming in. And I think that he'll have ability to show the IQ that he showed last season. And learning this defense will come easy to him and he'll end up being the leader of the squad, maybe in tackles, turnovers, and every statistical important category for the Panthers. 
I think that he's a huge reason why the Panthers defensive coordinator got a job this past offseason. So when you're that good and that you can sell a, a coach as a as a job, you're you're a special player. Ethan Kunkel is a special player, one that probably got overlooked, easily should be first team all conference, and probably should be a all-state honorable mention caliber player or second team all-state. Um he also have fellow incoming senior Malachi Torico, who is second to Ethan in tackles and sacks from non-seniors. And there are two of a few juniors who return to this defense. Uh, additionally, Malachi is the only returning player on offense who scored a touchdown last year. So looking for a lot of wisdom from Ethan and Malachi here. And while the secondary was porous at times last year, it was young and they will be returning two sophomores who recorded interceptions in Waylon Lowry and Walker Hungate, who could take some serious strides in addition with support from class of 23, Keegan Mack. Boulder's start in the season this upcoming year, talking about window of wins against Centaurus, I think is a coin toss before they definitely lose to Arvada West, in my opinion. And then have a stretch of three games where they can definitely rattle off some wins here. They got Silver Creek at home, Monarch on the road, Mountain Range on the road. So you're looking at potentially three and two. I I'm going to say three and two between the combination of the opener and those three games. But uh, they should enjoy a, you know, even potential four and one start before their league Oh my gosh, this league is horrendous news for Boulder. Way better than last year. You got Fairview, whose offense is not going to take as big of a step back as many people think. More on that later. Fossil Ridge, one of the top passing offenses. Pooter, who just returns a lot of juniors, so I think that they're going to be a way tougher out for a lot of teams this year. Rocky Mountain, who's going to be one of the most balanced teams up north and wants to get back into the playoffs. And then maybe a win against Fort Collins. But even then, maybe. It depends on how much their quarterback develops. I could see a high end of five wins if they do go 4-1 and one prior to league, and then maybe they steal a league game. But I do think it's way more likely that they end the season 4-6. and six. So I'm going to say a wow of 4-5 to five here. That's basically where they were at last season. So no huge surprises from this Boulder squad that has been toiling away in mediocrity for some time now. But, you know, I think that starting off 4-1 and one could be very, very healthy for this Panther team learning how to win. And if they can kind of gain some confidence off of that, that could be massive for their success this upcoming season. Now, this, ne this next league that was just 5A North last year, this league is going to be stacked. It's going to be freaking stacked this year. So be ready for some offensive fireworks. Enjoy the show. And uh, let's go ahead and take a look at them. I'm going to start with the Fairview Knights because they have a very interesting story and set of developments here. And, you know, they did as they always do last year, throwing it all around the yard behind a superstar freshman quarterback who caught the eyes of the nation. Fairview went 6-4 and four in the regular season, saw his debut against Boulder where they won 42-21. They then lost to Castleview the following week on the road 38-21 before picking up two quick shutout wins over Grand Junction Central and Prairie View. 
for losing two more games to Chaparral and then a big loss to Legacy here, 38 to eight. It should be noted that in these two games, in the Chaparral game specifically, they did lose their wide receiver one slash starting safety up until that point. So they are scrambling, trying to find an answer here against Legacy before getting three wins in a row against the Fort Collin trio of Rocky Mountain, Fossil Ridge, and Pooter. All these were very good games, very solid games, but uh, ones that ended in wins regardless before ending the season against a loss to Horizon. And this would actually conclude their, their season and the games that they got to play. Because in the first round against Thunder Ridge, they did have to forfeit due to a COVID outbreak. Cheating Colorado football fans out of a potentially fantastic matchup. But regardless, it was a season to be proud of for the Fairview Knights. Uh, this team was very young last year and are already losing some of the stellar young talent they had. But their defense could take a step forward and their offense won't slide as much as people may think. But in this graduating senior slash departing talent here, the biggest headline here is that freshman phenom Beckham Kritza has moved out of state. And so under center, they lose not only the upside of having a four-year starter, but a top 50 passer in the country who without playoffs threw for 3,192 yards on 65% completion and was pretty smart with the football with a TD to INT ratio of 22 to 8. Kritz's arm will be missed and his mastery of the spread offense was only going to grow, but life will have to go on here in Boulder. Another big name that they lose here, as I mentioned, he did get hurt in the Chaparral game, so he only played about half of the season, but regardless was a an incredible playmaker who, with a full season, would have been our number one rated senior wide receiver, and that's CU commit Grant Page, who was just a monster. He led the team in most yards per game at 94.6, and was just a dynamic athlete who could do anything and everything correctly at the receiver position he could run every route on the field he could moss people he could take screen passes upfield he could also be set in the wildcat and run for touchdowns defensively he was a very good safety who could play the entire field it was quite a damper and we do wish him a healthy recovery and best of luck in you know he doesn't have to travel far he was playing in boulder and now he's playing for boulder be boulder as they say so you know that, that's still a tough loss. Another receiving threat who went overlooked was Ben Anderson, whose precisiveness and footwork saw plenty of open looks on 534 yards. And, you know, his grit and motor were driving forces for an offense that was young in so many places. So that experience and drive will need to be replaced. And it could be one of the hardest things that this Fairview squad has to replace. He was chippy at times. He was physical at the receiver position. And, you know, he'd be the first to stand up for any of his teammates. And that is just really really hard to lose outside of the schematics that he already provided in the trenches the knights will have to battle on without a top five interior offensive lineman from our senior list and also a chasta second team all-state player in nick worster whose iq and pass blocking skills were very integral to this spread offense that fairview runs and will be hard to replace Additionally, uh, Emery Banks is one of the bigger studs leaving this defense after he had five turnovers by himself and a pair of pass deflections. In addition to that, they also lose six foot three, 215 pound hammer Jack Remington in a season that he was second in tackles with 67 and led the team with three sacks and a couple of fumbles. While, you know, 
the big story here, obviously, oh, Beckham Kritz is going, oh, he, he was a top 50 passer. And, and I'm not going to pretend like that doesn't hurt. I'm not going to pretend like that's okay. But they have somebody here who has a junior quarterback will be really good. And that's Rowan Reisner here, who's more than capable of running this spread offense. Uh, between what I saw in the offseason for the Duck 77 as well as JV film, Rowan does a lot of things right and is a very smart quarterback who has good ball placement and timing on throws and has been honing in on that craft as well as improving his arm strength for the upcoming season. I did a breakdown of him on a Twitch stream if you'd like to find that on our YouTube or Twitch. It was a very fun one. Rowan's a very nice kid. His dad's a very pleasant guy. And I think that Rowan, you know, he showed patience, he showed grit, and he did not ever stop working hard even with the competition of Beckham in that quarterback backfield. And I think that patience and that hard work is going to pay off for both Rowan and this Fairview offense this upcoming season. And plenty of weapons accompany Rowan on offense from last year, including incoming senior Zach Lewis, who, while more valuable defensively, was a solid running back, leading the team in yards, carries, and rushing scores. But really, the receiving threats is what has to get you excited for the Knights offense. They consistently produce good receivers, and this year will be no different. As a sophomore, or as an incoming sophomore, they do have Jordan Rochelle, who made plenty of tough catches in a freshman season that got him offered by CU and was a security blanket for Beckham last year with a team leading 57 receptions for 845 yards and 10 scores after only playing in nine games. His speed and focus catching the ball in traffic while adjusting to the ball in air put him in plenty of tough matchups that he won, and he'll continue to do that in this upcoming season, as well as improving as a route runner. Another underclassman from last year who was second on the team in receiving yards and touchdowns was sophomore Ben Hawley, who collected 577 yards and five scores. His ability to get vertical so quick and also accelerate was helpful, uh, turning simple goes into easy scores, even with the defensive back playing so far off. He adjusts to the ball quite nice as well downfield, but this speedster is a threat downfield or just hitting him on a quick screen can make him a great complement to teams who might try and double team uh, Rochelle, who already has a Division I offer. A third underclassman, Naz Valadez Benevente, may have been fifth on this team in yards, but in Fairview's offense, that's still good enough for 332 yards and 36 receptions. This high volume of throwing is great for preparing receivers for the next level with so many young guys. This offense will continue to click both this year and the following. As previously mentioned, though, Zach Lewis is way more of a defensive threat on the this squad last year he recorded a team leading 104 tackles and also recorded seven tackles for loss that number could definitely double this upcoming season but he's also solid and very intellectually in tune in the pass game and they also returned josh zhang who had 63 tackles and a pair of picks to his name last year and a freshman secondary player who had two interceptions with a team leading 58 interception return yards returns in Ryder via real not to mention he had another two fumble recoveries so you have some guys on defense who are able to force some turnovers overall this defense was kind of a weak point last year allowing over 11 games around 20 points per game but uh you know at home they were very very good but this team this team was very young and they got rattled on the road early and often they only went two and four last year on the road and those two wins were against Fossil Ridge which was only a two-point win and against 
Prairie View, who they did take care of business, but they will have to be way more composed this upcoming season to exceed that, try and win this very competitive league, and actually make a push in playoffs, uh, barring, you know, knock on wood, barring any disaster. But they're going to do fair view things on offense this year. But the biggest question will be if the defense can trend upwards with so many turnovers departing and the lack of sacks um, that they obtained last year. They had plenty of hurries, but need to get to the quarterback more to force offenses into bigger holes and help this young secondary get easier turnovers. I think that they have two quick wins to start the season against the likes of Highlands Ranch and Lakewood before a Valor Christian squad tests them at home. And I think Valor probably walks away with a win with just more experience and some really phenomenal coaching coming in. Following that, uh, they have another offensive showdown against Horizon, who they lost to last season. This is a bit of a toss-up, but uh, I'm going to give the edge to Fairview for now. But I wouldn't be surprised if Horizon beats them for the second year in a row. I think that they then follow this up with a pretty solid win streak here, beating Douglas County, then repeating their success against Boulder this year for the crown of Boulder before beating Pooter and Fort Collins. This puts them at a 6-2 or 7-1 record before their biggest tests in the year in Fossil Ridge and Rocky Mountain play them. Fossil Ridge... I think that this offense is hungry to avenge that two-point loss last year, and I think that they have a solid enough talent returning on defense. More on that later. Actually, more on that coming up next. And then they also face a very balanced Rocky Mountain squad who I think can just keep Fairview's offense off the field. Now, say they lose these two games and finish 6-4, and four, I still think that their window of wins is, you know, that's their floor, is six wins. Their ceiling, I think, is as high as eight. So you could see an eight and two season or a seven and three season. I think that seven and three is probably the most realistic conclusion that I have for the Knights. Just, you know, following this research and everything that they have. And hopefully, if they're in rhythm by the time that they reach those final two games of the year, they could be a serious threat to win their league this year. But they will have to go through this next team out of Fort Collins. I'm talking about the Fossil Ridge Sabercats who, you know, put up a solid season last year. Their junior heavy offense could pile on points as they averaged just around 28 points per game last year. And they had a defense with some cats who could get to the quarterback and they overcame a really rocky first half of this season. I mean, they started off in a one and four hole with losses to Ralston, Windsor, Foco, and Arvada West with only one tough win against Eagle Crest to their name for going four and one down the stretch, completely flipping the script with wins against Pooter Horizon. Like I said in the last segment, a two point loss to Fairview, which is a pretty good one to be proud of. And then a win against Rocky Mountain and a win in overtime against Legacy to get them into the playoffs. So clutch performances before losing a 12 point game to Cherokee Trail in the postseason that we did cover. And, you know, I think that that is a season to be really happy with, especially with all the junior talent that they had from last year. I'd say that the most notable win of this season was their overtime win over Legacy to punch their ticket. And it should be noted that all of their losses were to other playoff teams, and they were pretty close sometimes. Like I said, that 25 to 23 loss to Fairview was a pretty close one. Uh, 34 to 23, it's not as close as you like it to Fort Collins. And while it is a 4A team, like I said, Windsor is a very tough program. So that three point loss to Windsor is not as punishing as it may sound and i think that that puts them in a decent spot to really compete this year and you know 
despite some confusion in my research, looking at graduating seniors, I am almost 97 or 99% positive that Nathan Hallmark is one who graduated in the spring of 2022. He's on the CU website, so we're going to wish him well after leading all of 5A with 19 sacks and being destructive in the run game with an absurd 29 tackles for loss. That was over half of the team's total sacks, hurries, and over a third of their tackles for loss, all bundled up in one game record that will be sorely missed. And yeah, you just can't replace that kind of that kind of production. And if the rest of these classifications on max preps are done correctly, this defense only loses three more seniors who are in the top 11 of tackling, but Jacob Schneider was more than 63 tackles. He was somebody who broke up his fair share of passes in the past game. And lastly, you know, despite the run game struggles last year, Dustin Lalani Mock still ran for seven touchdowns and eclipsed the 100-yard mark once, was able to pick up blocks in the past game, which is something that gets overlooked at the running back position, but for this Foster Ridge team was very important and something that will be missed this upcoming season. While the Sabercats did graduate an immense, immense, immense talent in Nathan Hallmark, they do in the wings have a second team all-conference defensive end, Theodore Frerichs, who at 6'4", 225 pounds, brings good size and skill back to the Wildcat defensive line, as well as production having been second on the team in tackles for loss with 12 and possessing a hell of a first step that, you know, from the interior of the line damages the run game against anybody who they go against and also gets in the quarterback's face early and often in games. His versatility and strength along the defensive line should alleviate some of the pressure of what was lost. Not to mention he makes up for one of seven players that were in the top 11 tacklers making their return. Ryan Black is such a player who returns to the defense at middle linebacker after being second in tackles and headlining the five interceptions that will be coming back this upcoming season. He's got to play a little bit more aggressive and not wait for the play to come to him so much so as to get more tackles in the backfield and a little extra pop could also force some more fumbles in the run game. The top pass defenders make a return after last season. Pallier and Peace had a combined 17 pass deflections and each finished the season with an interception. Pollier also contributed to a special teams unit that was impressively good at blocking field goals, with Black, Pollier, and Isom each having one of their own field goal blocks and class of 2023 player who had an interception last season had two. So, you know, they, they have a lot of returners in the secondary. They have some guys up front. They have an answer at middle linebacker. But the part that I know everyone is dying to hear about is the Fossil Ridge aerial attack that sees the return of not one, not two, not three, but four of its leading receivers with Mac Busteed headlining this attack following a season that saw the six foot six, 225 pound monster moss his way up and down the schedule for 1154 yards and 11 scores. His frame not only makes him a mismatch with the ball in the air, but with the ball in his hands, he can cause some serious physical and emotional damage to defenders with a fearsome stiff arm that has left defenders deceased on the field. Joining Busteed is three other juniors in Keyworth, Leon, and Olsen, whose route variety and hands left them with 878, 779, and 220 yards receiving respectively, and a combined 16 scores. With all of these receivers returning, they not only return every single returning touchdown, but also 97%, 97% of all receiving yards last year. 
I'm kind of losing my mind looking at this because I don't know if I've seen this much receiving production return before, period. The other part of this that helps is that the guy throwing dots to this quattro also returns. I'm talking about All-State Chassa honorable mention quarterback Tyler Kubat, 6'5", 205 pounds, and, you know, he put up really healthy numbers last year. Threw for 3,100 yards, 27 touchdowns to 11 interceptions on 57.5% completion percentage. He does a good job of hanging tough in the pocket. He has a really nice follow-through for good touch and power on throws, especially those downfield or outside the numbers. He, he has a ton of upside, but could really use a more effective backfield to help him out since last year's rushing attack only averaged 3.6 yards per carry. And I think that when you have to throw the ball as much as Fossil Ridge had to without a choice really last year, you're going to end up throwing a lot of interceptions. I'd say the big red flags from this Fossil Ridge squad last year against other playoff teams is that they struggled and the offensive line had its brain dead moments, letting defenders in the backfield for free. And they will be returning some talent, but it has to take a step forward regardless. And this upcoming schedule is going to test that offensive line. Their very first game is against a 4A contender in Loveland, who has one of the best defenses in the entire state. They've had one of the best defense in the entire state for like the past four years. It's their brand, and they are going to bully this Foster Ridge offensive line if they're not ready. And it doesn't matter how many passes you can complete or how far you can throw it down the field when you have like two seconds to throw every single time. So, you know, that's, that's a really rough matchup. I don't know if they beat that Loveland team. And they might even start off 0-2 because they face a very talented Grandview squad who, you know, has a an athletic enough secondary and defense to at least keep pace. And they also have a very talented class of 24 quarterback in Liam Zarka who will get this offense moving. So I think they're just a little outclassed in these first two games before I think they get a win against Brighton. But the schedule is still really tough as they have Windsor and Arvada West on the road the following weeks. And I, I think that they have a chance at winning this A West game potentially, but this Windsor game just seems like another game that until I see more from this Fossil Ridge offensive line, I just don't have faith in what the Sabercats are capable up front of doing. Um, but I mean, I think a one in four start is something that's pretty realistic, but I don't know if it's anything to worry about because they have a pretty good chance at going 5-0 in league against Fort Collins. They play that game at CSU. We will be in attendance in that game in some capacity, whether it's me or Gideon, who is a name that you will start to hear a little bit on the show. So keep an eye out for that. But then also Boulder, they should win this game. Rocky Mountain, I think that this one's a bit of a toss-up. Um, uh, and maybe they lose to Fairview. But if they lose those games and still beat Pooter, on the low end, they're 4-6, and six, and I still think they're a team that you should consider for playoffs. But I think that a 6-4 and four season is pretty likely. Uh, they could go as high as 7, so a window of wins, more likely of 5-7 to seven is what I'm going to put my wow at. But I think that a 6-4 and four season is in the cards for Fossil Ridge. And if their offense can compete with the best of them and their defense can just progressively get better throughout the season, this could be a team that could get to potentially the second or even third round of the playoffs. So 
We'll see how they do. Uh, the defense has a lot to prove, but the offense is ready to be like a Katy Perry hit this season in the form of a bunch of fireworks. Up next from the 5A North last year, that is, is the Horizon Hawks, the HH, if you would. And, uh, you know, this past season was not ideal. They went 3-7. and seven. It involved some larger losses to some playoff teams, you know, including, I mean, lows of 42-0 to A-West, 42-8 to Grandview. But they showed some serious offensive upside in some losses, however, with a 40-32 loss to Fossil Ridge that I talked about, a 28-21 loss to Pooter, and scoring 43-39-38 and 38 in their wins this season, including a bright spot 38-33 win over Fairview to end the season. That was a really good upset and something to get you excited about the Hawks. But they will be losing some good playmakers on defense. Uh, departing includes three out of this squad's four sacks last year, where Tanner Mills had two in addition to his fourth best 33 tackles, and Stone Fletcher who had a sack and was third on the team with 52 tackles. And uh, you could see a pretty big jump from leading tackles in three to four there, so you can only imagine where the rest of the spread of the tackles are in this team being somewhat alarming. In addition to that, they also are graduating in the secondary four of six interceptions. Uh, Tabor Robinson was somebody who was tied for the lead with two. And offensively, there are also some studs that depart, namely Braden Kramer. He's somebody whose film I did review while researching top five senior receivers last year. And he will be missed because his six foot four frame accounted for a thousand and seven yards and a score for every hundred yards. Quick math sets 10 scores. Not to mention his running mate, Will Taggart, was second on the team with 429 yards and had the longest touchdown reception last year at 80 yards. So big body, big play guys that are being lost for an up and coming star of a quarterback. And then also Jurian Brooks paced this team at 11 rushing touchdowns last season out of the 14 total and had 709 yards in just seven games played, making him good for an average of over 100 yards per game and at least recorded past the century mark for sure in three of those games. Those are some good playmakers to lose on, on both sides of the ball, but they also have some very interesting talent returning. I think that the best player on this team, whether it was last year or even potentially this year, is going to be Landon Loomis. Uh, he was tied for the team lead in tackles with 57, tied for the team lead with seven interceptions, and was just, or seven tackles for loss, I mean, and was just dominant on offense with the ability to make catches no matter where, and just has an explosiveness and a combination of speed with a verticality that allows him to catch it on anyone's head. And after watching his film and his work in the offseason with TFG, I think he's only gotten faster. Um, Horizon will lean on him heavily for the second year in a row, offensively, defensively, and on special teams after three other returners graduated last year and took almost 300 yards with him. Defensively, don't get it twisted. He may be fast, but that doesn't make him any less physical with the knack of meeting the ball with great force. And if he can get his hand inside of the ball carrier's hands more this season, he can see plenty of forced fumbles combined with his might, speed, and just it's like getting hit by a train when you get hit by Landon Loomis. And then offensively, I think that his touches are only going to go up. I think that you can utilize him in jet sweep situations, screen situations, downfield shots. He can run in routes pretty well. He can hold onto the ball through contact. He's gotten a lot of work this past season with Team Full Gorilla. So he's just a very solid senior receiver coming in this year. And a very solid senior defensive back this year who will be 
in the mix on either side of the ball for a top five senior spot, in my opinion. Looking ahead, uh, you also have... Look, I'm just gonna I'm gonna talk about some of these other guys, but with so many pieces not returning, a lot will fall on sophomore quarterback Alex quote Blaze Birch, uh, who turned a corner last season after an abysmal performance in a game against Grandview that saw him go six for thirteen for only twenty seven yards. He woke up and never completed less than fifty seven percent of his passes for the remainder of the season, including a seventy four percent clip against a very impressive legacy secondary and throwing nine touchdowns to three interceptions out of the first half of the season, saw him go two games without throwing a single score, um, and outside of an outlier against Boulder, uh, only threw .75 touchdowns per game. His, his athleticism and throw on the run ability caught my eye when I broke his film down, and I think that with an expanded playbook, as I talked about in his film breakdown, that you know his arm and tenacity can make up for the talent leaving a around him if he tucks and runs a little bit more i think that he could be a serious threat on the ground and you know i think that blaze here is going to light defenses up and leave a trail of destruction in his wake especially with landon loomis on this offensive side here they are going to be a lethal connection on the defensive side i'm looking to tristan salazar who was tied for the lead of tackles and has only gotten bigger since last season and packs a wallop of strength in his frame. And then Chase Green is a guy who could take a step forward in the pass rush game. And, you know, heading into his senior year, he could skyrocket. He's six foot one, 220 pounds, and led the team with five tackles for loss, only being able to increase this season. These, you know, three at the varying le levels of defense in Chase, in Tristan, and in Landon could do a lot and bring out the best in their teammates. It was a young defense. They returned six of their top 11 tacklers. And with these guys, you know, leading the secondary, leading the linebacking core, leading the line, maybe they bring out the best in players. And a lot of guys take a huge step forward this season. A lot of these Northern teams, I've noticed, struggle to run the ball. And Horizon is not an exception, having only rushed for an average of 2.9 yards per carry. I will note here that they do subtract yards for sacks, so that does have something to do with it, but they will nonetheless have to have a way more balanced offense to try and help out this sophomore QB who lost his top two targets this past season. Their schedule's tough, and since non-league is Douglas County, Eagle Crest, Arvada West, Fairview, and Rocky Mountain, I think that they probably lose to Eagle Crest, A-West, Fairview, and Rocky Mountain. I think that a 1-4 start is just unfortunately something that could happen here. I think that they're going to have a very exciting game against Eagle Crest. I just don't think that Eagle Crest is going to be bad two years in a row. Um, more on that in a Centennial League episode special. But, you know, uh, they just have really tough matchups, and I don't know if they have the all-around talent to compete with a lot of their teams before heading into a very interesting league. Um, I'm putting them at one and four, two and three before heading into league. And then once they're in league, I think that it's a lot more manageable and they have a shot of having a winning record in league. Um, look, against Mullen, they lost their leading running back and their quarterback this past year. So they're going to have some growing pains, I think. I think range views a winnable game. This is Brighton coming into 5A from the looks of it. So that, I think, is a winnable game in their very first year, even though they are going to have a defense that will test Blaze. And then Legacy, I'm going to talk about them coming up next, but they lost a lot last year. And then Prairie View. So I think 
you could go look if you go three and two or even four and one in league and manage to leave non-league at two and three this is your path to the playoffs i think six and four is gambling a little too much on this young qb and if my gamble backfires they could go as low as three and seven but i'm going to take a gamble on this young squad with a lot of tenacity they have a chip on their shoulder after last year and i'm going to bet on blaze and company to you know blaze through this schedule and try and snatch a playoff appearance i don't it, it'll be interesting to see how this new league kind of shakes out mullen is still going to have very talented players so that'll be a tough out legacy i think is very well coached but they are losing a lot of athletes this year and so speaking of legacy last season was an incredible one for them um there weren't a lot of handouts for this very athletic legacy squad who just narrowly lost a handful of games to good teams but you know that includes a one point loss to fort collins to start the season they do lose to pomona by six in the fourth game of the year but and, and then they end the season as mentioned earlier in an overtime loss to fossil ridge but i mean excluding their 13 point loss to arvada they played a lot of teams arvada west that is they played a lot of teams very close and you know still finished at six and four through the regular season beating up on denver east far northeast Fairview was their most impressive win in my eyes. They eked out a very close win against Rocky Mountain, and they put it to Horizon last year through just an incredibly talented secondary, in my opinion, and one of the best backfields in the entire state last year. Um, you know, these wins against Fairview, Pooter, Rocky Mountain, and Horizon was enough to put them at the top of their league and clinch a spot in the playoffs. And, you know... The legacy of this secondary at legacy will be the hardest thing to try and replace this year they did lose to mountain vista in the first round uh after you know some injuries and just wear and tear brought this secondary down in usage but you know the and the secondary is still incredible they had one of our top five senior quarters in brayden keith whose physicality made him a one-of-a-kind corner this year on his way to collecting four picks and not allowing a score on his side this year in the regular season or at least i'm pretty sure on that additionally at safety braylon tate who is a first team all-state guy at running back that athleticism transferred just fine to the defensive side of the ball as he posted four picks of his own and showed he could man up against nickel wide receivers and was just super versatile and instinctual in the pass game so that will be you know another very tough thing to to replace here they also lose senior defender camden johnson who took another two interceptions across the stage and so does all-state honorable mention defender mason dickerson who on top of his two picks also contributed 48 tackles to the squad and four of those going for loss and he was the second leading tackler behind only a middle linebacker so this secondary was just super well-rounded played the run very well very physical obviously played the pass very well with like 12 picks i want to say between those four players being absolutely bonkers plenty of more pass deflections and just physical play not letting receivers run routes bumping them off their routes and just aggravating receivers and quarterbacks alike you just don't get that kind of physicality and mentality i think 
on the high school level was such a loaded secondary. I think that they were up there, honestly, despite their performance against Mountain Vista and Fossil Ridge close the season. I think that they still had one of the secondaries that were up there last year with the likes of, you know, maybe a tier below. But I think when you think of great secondaries last year, you think of Fountain Fort Carson, obviously, Cherry Creek. And I think that Legacy is somebody who isn't above those two, but is one of those teams that you can mention as having one of the best secondaries combined talent-wise and performance-wise last season. But they also had a very solid player in Michael McCarty at middle linebacker who led the team in 88 tackles. Very athletic guy, flew around the field and just... Ay, ay, ay. What a talented defense that they have a lot of very key pieces missing from. Um, you know, this same secondary also found a way to contribute offensively. Camden Johnson led the team in yards and touchdowns, receiving with 556 and 5. And Mason Dickerson was not that far behind at 367 and a pair of scores. But the biggest contributor of this Lightning team was the Lightning enthusiastic eventual minds running back Braylon Tate, who is incredible, generational, whatever you want to call it, at tailback last year and used his intellect to find holes, read defenses, and gash them at a clip of 6.9 yards per carry and route to a 1,500-yard season with 18 touchdowns. As he graduates, he takes 80% of this squad's rushing yards with him alone. And in addition to generational Braylon graduating, William Moore was the running back too and took the ball 85 times for seven scores and makes his way out the door and this backfield is returning only three of their 28 touchdowns from last year woof that is unlucky kind of like getting struck by lightning that a lot of their opponents did last year i'm i'm digging too hard for jokes but stick with me here as i talk about some of the returning playmakers here to be flashy and impress you this upcoming season and hopefully help legacy not cascade um, despite what my wow might do. But five of their top 11 tacklers return to the defense, and it's easily highlighted by Ryan Bernerowicz. If I'm saying that wrong, I do apologize. But Ryan, you know, his play speaks for itself. Uh, he was able to get into the backfield, and he caused opposition headaches with 14 of his 29 tackles being for loss, and he also led the team in sacks with six. And speaking of sacks, this team returns its top six pass rushers and overall, 86% of all sacks from last year. Another another two incoming seniors that headline this pass rush has got to be Gotts Chalk and Noah Williams, who combined for nine and a half between the two of them last season. Now, while there are some serious shoes to fill in secondary and that linebacker for this pass defense, you do get a good pass coverage linebacker in Quinn Walker, who uses great speed and instincts to do just that. Heading into his senior season after posting two picks and being third on the team with 41 tackles last year. And under center is the biggest question mark for the Lightning. They will have Jaden Carter as a senior, who last year wasn't the best decision maker, throwing eight touchdowns to 10 interceptions and didn't give me a whole lot of faith looking through his film. That involved a lot of quick hitter, one read throws, and not otherworldly arm strength. You have to make absurd gains this season as a passer to make up for all the losses they had on offense and to especially not excel with the run game they had and the offense they run is a bit concerning that slants, hitches, and swings were his bread and butter. He has shown to have nice touch on passes, but has too much faith in his touch at times and uses it in places he shouldn't. And so 
with this wow here, there's a lot of question marks this year, and the competition looks abrasive. They have a bit of a coin toss against Arapaho to start the season, who also graduated slash lost a lot to moves and whatnot, as well as a coaching change. So, you know, I think that they have a chance at winning that, but definitely drop these next three. Lake Nona in Florida is an in, uh, was a powerhouse 8A team, so I think that they can handle a 5A Colorado team that has since graduated their best players. I think that Rocky Mountain and Mountain Vista um rocky mountains just way too balanced on offense to settle down for this legacy defense and i think that mountain vista's offense also outpaces them so you know you're looking at maybe a one and three maybe even own four start before i think that they have their best chance at maybe getting a win against legend but both of these teams have a decent amount of unproven talent so that is something to potentially keep an eye on before they do get a chance to bounce back against rangeview and prairie view teams who they have a shot of beating, but I wouldn't write them off. Same with the likes of Mullen, Horizon, and Brighton. Those are all really tough opponents for a team that just couldn't pass the ball super well last year. And so uh, they have so many coin tosses, and I'm just probably going to be a little pessimistic here. Their window of wins is pretty big because Jaden Carter has experience, but it's uncertain. Low end, I say they win two games. High end, they maybe look full win for they are going to take a step back this season from last year which is totally fine considering the talent they have and i think that four and six with wins against you know you're looking at arapaho rangeview legend and prairie view probably are your four wins i might even lean towards three and seven honestly so this is going to be a tough year for the legacy lightning really proud of what they did last year and they still have some studs i mean look you got to watch ryan's game he's flying all over the place Quinn Walker's another guy that, you know, these guys are going to be really, really good this upcoming year in that front seven and are going to fly around and make plays and maybe even be all-state guys. But overall, I don't think that that translates to a whole ton of wins unless Jaden Carter really revolutionized his game this offseason. A team that does return a lot, a lot, a lot of juniors and showed some flashes last year is the Pooter Impalas, who last year started off with a 2-1 start that was really, you know, encouraging. They had a point differential of 49-23. to 23, And this was moments before disaster as they would lose six of their next seven games to unfortunately finish 3-7. and seven. They lost four in a row to playoff teams from Fort Collins to Thunder Ridge to Fossil Ridge to Legacy before bouncing back and getting a one-touchdown win over a Young Horizon team and then losing their last two of the season. It's going to take some serious maturity for Pooter to change course and record their first winning season since the fall of 2017. And so looking at last year, you do lose a very talented back in Adam Kraft, who was just 33 yards shy of a thousand yard season and eclipsed the century mark four times last season and five rushing touchdowns. You're losing three of the top four leading receivers who all graduated with Simmons and the Brubaker brothers. Uh, counting for 467 yards and three receiving touchdowns. A player that I know that Simon and I talked about, I don't know if Simon did him as like an honorable mention or best of the rest guy, but Alec Lucas was purely dominant on defense, having not only led the Impalas in tackles with 117, but recording three interceptions and then forcing slash fumbly recovering a fumble. Uh, his production, I don't think will be able to be replaced by a single person. 
uh, especially because his discipline and athleticism in the middle allowed other players to play way more aggressive knowing he had their back and they'll have to rein that in this season talking about some of these young guys who are returning they are going to have to play way more discipline because they just don't have this security blanket that was alec lucas on at that middle linebacker spot in the pass rush pooter graduates five sacks including aiden krolls who is second on the unit with three and a half but also includes fourth leading tackler ethan c who had 73 tackles and 215 pound douglas gill Foster Orr was somebody who finished just ahead of Ethan with 76 tackles and will also be walking across the stage this past spring or walked across the stage this past spring, I guess, and take an interception and force fumble with him. And they lose arguably seniors at the two most important offensive line spots. Six foot three, 270 pound Anthony Dugan leaves a cartoonishly large hole at the left tackle position. And then Douglas Gill was somebody who played center and guard a little bit last year. They had some other guys who played center, but still losing that veteran experience is going to make this offensive line have to figure some stuff out on the fly. I mean, look, they do return, I want to say three players from the line and senior Alex Koski and Jeremiah Sullivan, who might be slid over to left tackle if his pass bro took some strides. And then lastly, a class of 2024 guard, but that's... You're still losing a massive body at left tackle. And, you know, 60%, there's teams returning 100% of their line. And there's teams returning 80% of their line. So you could do worse, you could do better, but they have to make do with what they got. Now, last year, they had a junior at the most important position. His name is Quentin Harms. And his arm strength is solid. He does a great job of completing passes downfield. He moves the pocket well. But the flip side of keeping your eyes downfield and extending plays means more fatigue as a quarterback. The linemen have to block for longer so they get more fatigued, which means that they commit more holding penalties. And then he has a really bad habit of forcing passes that, you know, had his INT total matches passing touchdown total. And with his fumbles, that created more turnovers than scores. He has to settle down and learn to take what the defense gives him and he could definitely take some strides his senior year. I really like the upside of his arm. I think that he's fairly athletic. He's somebody who can tuck and run too. But, you know, when you turn the ball over as much as you do, you are harming your team more than you're helping them. And Quinton's going to have to just be a smarter quarterback for this team to have a chance. And he's not going to have that same chemistry with these new receivers to maybe bail him out or make a really athletic play, uh, so to speak. But... You know, his number one target from last year is returning, who did bail him out and does provide a bit of a security blanket. Six foot three, big body target, Colton Mills Younger, uh, paced the Impalas with 33 receptions, 339 yards, and five scores. And, you know, maybe with so many seniors graduating, he'll see an uptick in quality targets and opportunities to make moves with the ball in his hands. That's what you got to be hoping for if you are a part of this squad. And then... In the backfield, I believe that Jordan Neesent will headline this backfield following, you know, maybe pedestrian numbers as a junior in the backfield, but his athletic upside was evidenced by his 483 total return yards with a score on punt and kickoffs, uh, both being of, I want to say 64 and 88 respectively, but you know, you, you tack that on to his three receiving scores and you have a back that while may not be as physically as imposing maybe is way more versatile in a lot of ways and has that boom he has that x factor right so 
he's going to be highly impactful in multiple facets of this game and could end up being the MVP of this Pooter squad if they have a solid season. On the defensive side of the ball, I am so excited about sophomore Brody Van Cleef. He, well, I guess he's an incoming junior this year, but as a sophomore, he tallied four sacks and was fifth on the team in total tackles with 72. He has a great first step. He's very aggressive. He fills the holes very, very well in the run game. He chases down quarterbacks. He has a very high motor. And overall, it's just somebody whose tenacity will spark something inside of this defense. But, you know, he does have some things that he can still work on. I think that he needs to have gotten a lot stronger this offseason. There were times where he would get stonewalled by linemen just because he wasn't quite as big, not as strong. So he's going to have to be exponentially stronger this season. And I think that, you know, his aggressive style of play is a two-edged sword here because it makes him highly susceptible to double moves and pass game and misdirections in the run game because he takes so many extra steps. He's a really solid form tackler and he hits really hard, but has to get better at block shedding and not just outlast the blocks as much this season. A lot of the blocks, he just kind of let them block him into the play or just wait until they got tired and then made a move. He's got to play more aggressive when engaging with block shedding, yet also has to dial down the aggressiveness in his style of play. But getting a sound tackler as a sophomore at a linebacker position who can rush the passer and also split out and cover the slot position adequately i'd say or maybe even just just subpar is phenomenal this is somebody who has upside to be a starter now but also has such a massive potential as a project player to be an all-state and maybe even next level guy honestly i really like what i saw in brody van cleve's film uh, getting away from the film breakdowns here, uh, Jones Thomas headlines the returners on this defense after posting 81 tackles in nine games, marking for second best, and will be looked to guide this unit that brings back six of their top 11 tacklers from last year. And in the secondary, the Impalas have got to be feeling pretty all right. Eight of their 13 interceptions return, including the interception leader, Luke Olson, who not only tallied five picks last year, but also provided teammates uh, opportunities to make plays on batted or tipped passes. He had very good block shedding and instincts in the run game. Despite only being 150 pounds, he was able to beat guys like Braden Kramer and other big body targets up north in the run game on top of finding interceptions in shallow zone, deep zones, deep thirds, I should say, or man coverage both in and out of the slot. Very versatile receiver, somebody who can play in the run game and somebody who I think should easily be all conference and could be knocking on an all-state honorable mention door to depending on how this season goes. All in all, the Impalas were a drastically junior-heavy squad last year, and with the whole offseason, they might be able to make something of themselves this upcoming season. They haven't shown the ability to win as a squad yet, though, so this window of wins might be one of the biggest, because I could see them winning as little as two games that I think they should definitely win as far as like Monarch and then one of the two against Prairie View and Boulder. But if this class of 2023 is legit, they've put in the work this offseason, they've grown that chemistry as a team, they could walk away with as many as six wins. I mean, I could see them beating a Prairie, Brighton, Monarch, getting a win over Fort Collins and Boulder. Let's see, that puts them at five wins, and then maybe a win against Rock Canyon. You know, I think that that's a team that is 
maybe not similarly built, but I think similarly rated as far as tiers of football programs right now, having just made their very first postseason. But I mean, this Pooter squad, there's a lot of question marks. I'm nervous and hesitant to take a gamble quite just yet on the Impalas. But I mean, teams that do return a lot of juniors, even if it was par talent or maybe even subpar talent, can make substantial strides and su surprise a lot of people. So I just don't want to be somebody who is surprised uh, if they do exceed a certain amount of wins and try and knock on the postseason's door. Whew, thank you guys for hanging in there. We just have one more team, and I swear it's worth your time. I'm going to talk about the Rocky Mountain logo. Bleh, not the logos. That's not a team. The Lobos, that is. And, you know, they had a very up and down season last year. But stick around for the returning playmakers as to why I have so much hope for this team. But, you know, their high of last season was definitely their one-point win over Fort Collins earlier in the season. I want to say that was like game five. So I guess at the halfway point. But their lowest low is when they dropped three consecutive league games to Fairview, 20 to 14, Legacy, 14 to 6, and Fossil Ridge at home in Fort Collins, 34 to 19. If they get one of those wins, they are in the postseason. It's as simple as that. They simply just didn't take care of business. And, uh, you know, they must correct these small errors if they wish to represent NOCO in the playoffs. Now, as far as graduating seniors, they do lose the leading rusher, Cole Griffin, who had 13 touchdowns on 151 carries and also tallied 965 yards. And they also lose wide receiver one because Mac Marconi receives his diploma after getting 535 yards and five scores. But the real story of loss... Oh, this is one of the rougher graduating classes out of any team I have seen. But you still have to hang in there for the returning playmakers. Trust me, just, just hang in there. But the defense, oh my lord. They're losing Cole Griffin, Cade Schroeder, Lee Fever, Jackson Monnet, Jojo Fitzsimmons, Hayden Record, Grant Shashay, uh, I should say, Brody Gibbons, and Max Hall. Who are these guys, you might ask? Well, you heard Cole Griffin earlier, so so use some context clues. He's a great football player. But uh, they're 569, or 78% of total tackles last season, and made up the number one through nine spots of the top tacklers. Oh my lord, that is a lot of snaps and experience to try and replace on the defensive side of the ball. That is borderline cataclysmic, honestly, as far as a graduating class goes. I don't care what program you are, that amount of turnover on defense is absurd. And they're going to need a miracle to see improvement or even be as okay as they were last year. But they may have the answer in a miracle and there's one man who will and try and stop or slow the bleeding defensively, and that's the six foot three, two hundred and forty-five pound unit of a defensive lineman, Will Pryon, who is a part of the Fort Collins All City team after leading the Lobos in sacks with six, and is an absolute trailblazer, by the way, in his academic habits with a four point oh six, 
Academic All-State. We love to see really good student-athletes on the show. And if the incoming defense studies with him, maybe they have a shot of putting something together this season. They're... they. Oh, man. Let's talk about the offense, because that's the reason why I'm so optimistic, all right? Last year, as only a sophomore, Abraham Chatia capitalized on his smaller workload, rushing for 332 yards and 56 carries, and displayed great vision and just manipulation of the middle of the field with powerful explosiveness and ability to maintain top speed for a solid amount of time. I think that Abraham Chatia, you know, the next two years, he's only going to be better and maybe an all-state running back someday. He's somebody who can be versatile as time goes on and provide a security blanket in the pass game. Now, despite losing the top receiver from last season, there are two guys who could step up and will probably compete for wide receiver one status since Nate Eliasson with 403 yards and Owen Wentz had 393 yards and only 18 receptions combined for five scores last year, and they will try and use their speed to run circles around opposing secondaries. Now, none of these skill positions really matter if the guy under center isn't worth a darn, but I see a ton of upside in Gage Brook who has been a starter since his sophomore year and took massive strides between the two years, increasing his touchdowns, yards per game, completion percentage, and QBR while reducing turnovers. His ability to go through reads, step into passes, and utilize a quick release while also having athleticism to tuck if no one is, if no one is open makes him very dangerous heading into his senior year, especially with other 2023 guys who he's been throwing to off and on for four years, the chemistry of this Rocky Mountain offense could really be special, and it will have to be to make up for the regressions of the defense. Before I talk about, wow, I don't think, you didn't really think that I was going to talk about the biggest wow factor on this Lobo team, did you? Because I wasn't going to. If you don't know his name, you better know. You better get learnt. Ethan Thomason is a six foot eight, 310 to 320, 25 listed on various things, pound tackle, who is one of the most dominant players in all of Colorado football and will spearhead, you know, this offensive line. He is easily in contention for one of the best senior offensive linemen this year for our awards. He can dunk at his massive size, so his athleticism translates very, very well not only to the run game and being able to get upfield, collect pancake after pancake like he's serving at the international house, but also in the pass game, he has very, very solid footwork. He's been working with McChesney and could be one of the best offensive lineman prospects to come out of the box state. I mean, he gives me Travis Gray vibes, but he's been starting for such a long time and has been owning in and trying to be less raw with with higher upside athleticism i'd say uh footwork wise to really es escalate and elevate his game so they have a behemoth a monster a destroyer of worlds on the offensive line they have a speedy running back who's also physical and can pick up blocks in the pass game. They have a quarterback who's going into his third year of starting and should continue, barring, you know, he continues to grow at the rate he has been, should take another solid step forward this year and, you know, 
take some of these junior wide receivers with him. This offense, you know, if they can flip the script against teams whose offenses aren't as predominant and ones that they can outpace is kind of, you know, where I think they'll find wins this season. I think that in the opening week, they can beat Chaparral. Um, I'm not sure if they can beat Cherokee Trails. Consistency as a program. But after that, they might just alternate wins and losses. You know, probably beat Legacy. Don't know about Eagle Crest. Horizon. They could, uh, you know. Well, we'll see. We'll see. Um, they might just alternate wins and losses until Pooter. Um, but, you know, with the win against Pooter, I think that they can rattle off two wins here against Fort Collins. I think that they should definitely beat Fort Collins this year. I don't really see an excuse for it. And so heading into their biggest game of the year, in my opinion, you're looking at a team that's 1-1, one, 2-1, one, two, one, two, two, three, two, three, three, four and 3 you know, is, I think is a safe prediction. Uh, but they could be 5-2, and two, but 4-3 and three is a safe prediction. Before Fossil Ridge, this... This could be for for the division. Now, I think that they Rocky Mountains upside is that they have a balanced offense. They run the ball better than anyone in this northern league, in my opinion. And they can keep these potent offenses off the field. But doesn't matter if Fossil Ridge and Fairview score within a minute every time they touch the field. I don't know. So I'm going to give them a window of wins of five to seven, depending on how big of a step their quarterback takes this year. And if the ground game can produce a balanced offense to keep their defense off the field, I say final prediction of six and four. You beat Chaparral, you beat legacy, you beat horizon, Pooter, Fort Collins. Let's see. Yeah, that's five. And then you beat Boulder. I think that those are the games that you really shouldn't have an excuse to lose other than maybe horizon and then you probably lose to fairview fossil eagle crest and cherokee trail with the upside of beating cherokee trail but i think six and four just in general is a very safe projection for this talented offensive rocky mountain squad and their defense is going to be tested all year long i'd say that their only break defensively that they'll get is like well, Chaparral in the opening week still has some athletes, so I wouldn't even say that. But maybe against Pooter, if they don't take a step forward, but Boulder, maybe. Other than that, it's going to be quite the learning curve for this defense, and they will have to do some serious soul-searching in order to be best prepared for this upcoming rodeo. Whew, that was quite a track meet there, but we did it, folks. Thank you so much for listening to the conclusion of my northern preview series here and uh you know i'm gonna jump back down to the metro area for the rest of these previews so stay tuned i will have a twitch stream tomorrow talking about for a metro one league last year that had the state champs as well as other contenders in there and heavyweights so please be sure to tune into that on twitch we're at playmakers corner or you can catch the twitch at a later time on YouTube, or you can listen to it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. When I post it after the Twitch stream, the Twitch stream will be around 5.30, I think is what I'm going to aim for, Mountain Time. So please be sure to tune into that and look for announcements of Twitch streams and episodes on our Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. 
at Playmakers Corner or at Playmaker Corner on Twitter. Go ahead and follow us there where we post graphics and announcements for all of our upcoming events or episodes. And then go ahead and follow us on TikTok where we are doing a series of all of these teams and previewing them with some highlights as well as just some, you know, bold statements and projections of wow in our season preview. Thank you so much for the support through this, you know, season previews we're putting in a lot of work for you guys and we appreciate the gratitude that we are getting it helps us keep working on these so just keep it coming and until next time i have been your host cody stopper peace